this is such a cliche, but honestly, it's so true. You got to get over the, the nose to get to the yeses. You know, the yeses always come from where you expect them the least, but they will come, and it's a numbers game. And if you persevere and you don't throw in the towel and you don't give up, it will happen. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, the podcast by successful small business owners for business owners like you, so you can grow a strong and profitable business and use something you learned on this podcast today. Our guest is Golia Mary of Start It Up, and she's going to guide us on the importance of scalability, how being a builder of business is important, and the importance of persistence. But before we get into this wide-ranging conversation, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. At Claru Tire Company, we know that you want to be safe and secure riding on tires from a family who cares about your family as much as we care for our own. In order to do that, you need quality tires from a family you trust. The problem is, is that there are a hundred different national tire stores in town and their buying process is a chore and they treat you like a faceless number. We believe that you and your family are an extension of our family. We understand the noise you feel with the hundreds of faceless different tire companies that treat you like a faceless number. And that is why we at Claru Tire Company have one of the largest repeat customer bases in Kern County for the last 77 years. Here's how we do it. When you come into Claru Tire, you're not just a number, you become family. We select the specific tire that's the safest for your family, your car, and your budget. We install your tires and give you an unconditional guarantee on your tires. Join the Claru Tire Company family at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield, California, or call us at 661-324-6069 or find us on our website at clarutire.com. That's C-L-E-R-O-U tire.com. Stop the feeling of faceless confusion from 100 different national tire stores. Join the family with the Claru Tire Company family. You'll be glad you did. Claru Tire Company, 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield, California, or call us at 661-324-6069 or find us on our website at clarutire.com. That's C-L-E-R-O-U tire.com. As a business owner, you are a visioneer, and you are ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule an introduction today. Welcome, visioneers and small business owners. My guest today is Golia Mary, who is a former American diplomat and businesswoman. Mary was born in Tehran, Iran, and she came to the United States as a student in 1974 to attend Stanford University and became a U.S. citizen in 1989. In 2004, Mary was appointed by the President George W. Bush to the UN Commission on Human Rights. In 2007, Mary was appointed by President Bush to preside as Assistant Secretary of State for the Department of Educational and Cultural Affairs. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> 
In 2010, Mary was appointed by the International Federation of Red Cross and the Red Crescent Societies as Undersecretary General for Humanitarian Diplomacy. And this substantial career stems from what she first started as a small business owner and founder of President of Etinium Inc., a telecommunications consulting firm in Portland, Oregon. And the point of all of this is that Goalie was able to do all these things in public service because she had built and developed a successful small business. So welcome to the podcast, Goalie. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. We've gone through and you've had a very wide and diverse life experience and career so far and you're just getting started and you're here in Bakersfield for the Bakersfield Women's Business Conference to talk about a brand new project. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on. So um, I am currently the CEO of this tech company called Started Up mm -hmm. and um, the purpose of Started Up is a mobile app that actually um, connects business owners with advisors um, and it provides them along the way with a range of business tools. Hmm. And, you know, one of the main reasons why we developed this app is because, you know, large businesses and enterprises have a tremendous amount of access to consultants and all sorts of advising. Mm -hmm. But small and medium-sized businesses really do not have that kind of value-based um, advising. So this app is a marketplace that actually connects a business owner, whether they're an aspiring one or an existing one, to a consultant or an advisor, you know, to work on discrete projects or to basically advise the person, you know, along the life of their business. And, you know, one of the things that we do know is that advising and mentoring can actually increase a business person's, especially a small business person's, success rate up to 70%. Excellent. And in developing your first business, uh, did you have a mentor or somebody to help you along that helped guided you to develop your first business? Actually, that's a great question. No. In fact, really? in hindsight, you know, now that I, I think a lot about advising and mentoring, I really have realized that I actually had zero mentorship um, from the time that I graduated from college. And I sort of feel like I kind of had to fend off for myself quite a bit and kind of learn as I went along and sometimes I think to myself you know how different things would have been if I really actually had a mentor that could have helped me along when not not only when I was in the corporate world which you, you also need a mentors in the, when you're working in the corporate world but when I started my small business and then um, subsequent to that it would have been so helpful to me how does the app the tools in the app help with that mentorship program. Right. So, you know, when you have a um, business mentor, like I said, you either are working on a, on a discrete project. Let's say you need to learn more about some compliance issues, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, then you hire an expert, a consultant on compliance issues. But oftentimes with small businesses, you know, especially small businesses that are between two to five years old, mm -hmm. they... Um, at times hit a plateau. Mm. And actually, let me back up here. You know, 80% of businesses that start fail after 18 months. Right. Of those that survive, half shut their doors after five years. Right. And by the end of 10 years, only 30% of small businesses survive. And these are the folks that 
create almost 90% of the jobs in the United States. They're so the small, life and blood of our economy. They're the lifeblood of our economy. You said it so well. So, you know, helping them is, is really critical. You mm-hmm. know, providing them at, with access to advising is critical. So um, the, the app includes a number of tools. So, like, first and foremost, if a business person wants to get themselves off the ground, they want to launch their business, by our count, there are 300 discrete steps that they need to take. Wow. And they have nowhere to turn to other than a Google search. Right. So it takes them hours to try to figure out, how do I get a license? How do I find a location? We have put all of those tools in this app, which is called Start It Up, by the way. There's a green swoosh if people are listening and want to download the app. Um, So, you know, that's and that's all very city specific. Like, for example, here in Bakersfield, we're in the process of developing the one in Bakersfield, which should which should come online um, in about three weeks. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody wants to launch a business here in Bakersfield, they know exactly what to do because it's right there. And then one of the other tools that we have are these self-evaluations, because one of the main reasons why businesses fail is because an entrepreneur doesn't really know their strengths and weaknesses as an Mm, entrepreneur. Right. And that's really important. Because, you know, like, for example, we need to understand that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, your tolerance for risk has to be relatively high. Right. And if it's not high, as long as you know it and you know that it's important, then maybe you can do something about it. Sure. So... Other than the evaluation and the, and the tools, and then lastly, is this business um, strategic planning module that really helps you vet your business idea, think through your business idea, whether it's a new idea or it's an old idea, mm-hmm. and it kind of helps you through that process, and you can use all of those tools with your advisor. As I understand it, Bakersfield is your initial test market for this app. It's our second market, actually. Our first test market for the app was the city of Long Beach. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And then the second one is the city of Bakersfield. And I actually see quite a bit of similarities in terms of visionary leaders in, in both of them. And why did you choose Bakersfield? Well, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, come across one of the community leaders here in this organization that we both used to uh, belong to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's uh, very keen on promoting entrepreneurship um, and just business growth in, in Bakersfield. And, you know, he he learned about Started Up when we hadn't even written a code of, uh, word of code, a line of code. And then once we got, you know, I kept in touch with him. And once we got off the ground in Long Beach, he said, come to Bakersfield and see what we can do. Wonderful. And if you don't mind me asking who he is. Um, John Paul Lake. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Very good. We'll we'll have uh, John Paul Lake on to, on the podcast at some point to uh, to help uh, give us some more detail about the creation of Started Up. Yeah, and and the number of other projects that he's brought to the city as well. Excellent, excellent. When you were when you were looking at developing this app or being part of this particular project, what was this? What was the problem that you were trying to solve? Because you were talking about the needs of the small business owner, and they were wide, there's a wide variety, and you've created tools for that. But what was for the impetus for this? Right. And, you know, you have to forgive me for repeating myself. Um, honestly, just in two sentences, the problem was the large failure rate mm. of small to medium-sized businesses. Right. That was the problem we were trying to solve. Right. And, you know, we spent a couple of years researching the problem doing focus groups, talking to business people to really understand what the pain points were and, mm-hmm. you know, how we could address those pain points. 
And all of this stems from personal experience, I'm guessing, from starting up your first business. And when you were starting it up for the first time, what did you do to earn your first 100 customers? With my with my first business? Right. So, you know, my first business was a consulting business. Right. And um, so, you know, it was hard to get 100 customers. <laughs> consultants, because you know, that would not drive you nuts. <laughs> you, know, you know how that is. You know, with consultants, you, with consulting, you know, you... Uh, Actually, one of the biggest issues with consulting is that you work on a project at a time, and it's very difficult to, because there's only one of you right. and multiple projects, so it's very difficult to kind of scale. Right. Scalability is a big issue with, with consulting, and I actually thought about that quite a bit while I was doing this as to how can I better scale what I do. But at that point in time, you know, I had just had my children, mm. and they were obviously a big priority, and it was just fine by me to be able to do the kind of consulting that I was doing while at the same time being a present mother. And what was the the reason why you stopped the company or did you sell the consultancy or did uh, the the lure of uh, public life come come to pass that you closed the business or Actually it was it was a little bit of both but mainly it was the fact that you know my specialty was in the telecom market mm-hmm. and you know, many of your listeners may not know this, but the telecom market kind of went through this deregulation right. period in uh, in the 80s, mm-hmm. in the late 80s. And, you know, I just happened to know a great deal about the telecom market because at, the, at that time I was working in the corporate world with this company called U.S. Leasing that actually leased a lot of telecom equipment. So I knew a thing or two about that market. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, just decided that, you know, this was a knowledge that was worth sharing, and I could actually monetize this knowledge. So that's, that's why I started my consulting firm. But some of your readers may not also know that, um, you know, when the tech bubble burst mm-hmm. in the late 90s, you know, early right. 2000s, right. Um, the, the entire telecom industry had a meltdown. Wow. So it was basically, there was no business. There was no business. And then at this time... There was also, you know, I was, I was always in, involved on the sidelines, kind of in the political world, you know, coming from the background that I came from, from the country that I came from. Just to have any kind of a participation in the political world was fascinating to me. So the two sort of dovetailed each other. What would you say was one of the major challenges that you had in developing your business that has stuck with you today? You know, honestly, it was this idea of scalability that, that mm-hmm. I raised, mm-hmm. you know, because... Um, you know, mine was a very small consulting business. You know, mm-hmm. it was me, and then I hired subcontractors. And actually, most of them, um, moms, you know, professional moms with, with kids. You know, so we sort of had a, we had a good team there because, you know, that's one of the issues any working mother always has to deal with is, you know, how to balance your personal life and your children right. with your career. That, that's, that's a factor on, on all of our minds. So, but the whole idea was, you know, you do a project for one client and, and how do you scale that? How right. do you not just spend hours and hours on this one client and make a certain amount of money? How do you scale it so that maybe you can make, you know, more revenue off of that project, you know, off of the pieces of the project that are not necessarily proprietary? Sure, sure. Um, so that was really always a challenge for me. And I really didn't know what to do or who to turn to 
at that instance to figure out how do I make that happen. And thus why there's the checklist that you have and then you <laughs> app, why you have the mentorship program exactly. in, in the app. Exactly. exactly. Very good. As you were developing this app in your career in public life and for your startup business, that you've, your consultancy that you first started, was there any kind of books or, or any literature or materials like that that helped influence the way you do business and conduct your, your, yourself and that sort of thing? Um, actually, honestly, not, um, not really. I was not very big on reading um, necessarily business books at the time mm-hmm. or self-help books at the time. Sure. Um, I, and I don't really know why. I, I honestly don't, don't know why. But what I can tell you is that, um, you know, because I, I have gotten into these businesses that, or, or this line of work that I necessarily don't know very much about, and mm-hmm. then I'm drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> All right, um, right. And so I need to have a very steep learning curve. Right. And so, you know, you have to read a lot. And I actually used to be an avid reader uh, before I started getting into public service. Um, and, and I stopped reading because I had so many other things to read and learn and just run up this steep learning curve that... Um, the last thing you want to do is sit down and read another book. Another novel or something. <laughs> I did, I, there was really no time because there was just so many hours in the day. And But then at the same time, what I learned was um, I, I'm not a maintainer. Mm. I, I cannot, like, you know, I probably would not have survived in a corporate job for very long. I, I kind of have that entrepreneurship mindset. I need to start new things. I love to get them to a point where they're stable and functional and then you know pass them off to somebody pass else pass them off to somebody else to grow it and make it bigger and i think that's just the way i've not gotten to know myself a lot better what would you consider over the course of your development was a major worthwhile investment that you made into yourself you know um i think a major worthwhile investment that I've made in general is investing the time and the energy that I did in my boys. Good. Okay. You know, I think that's that's really the first and the f- the most important thing because um, they've turned out to be nice young men, and and so that was a great investment. Uh, but personally, I think honestly, just taking these risks to do these new things all the time. I mean, I think that's what's been the most satisfying for me. I mean. One of the most amazing jobs I had was when I was at the State Department as the Assistant Secretary, and then, you know, coming, learning as much as I did at that job, and then at the job at the Red Cross. It, that's really partly also what what helped me start this company because you know I, I understood, you know, the issue with the global youth bulge and how there's just there may not be enough jobs for all these people that are entering the market, and if we don't, and you know, nowadays, especially with artificial intelligence and you know, robotics coming on board, you know, there's all sorts of indications and studies that say by the end of 2020s, you know, 40 million Americans may be out of a job. Right. And, you know, these people really need to know how to start a business. Right. You know, they need to know how to gauge the market, how to come up with ideas and how to launch something. And, you know, that was kind of the part of the impetus for me to, to start this company. As you're going through and you're developing the this this new business was started up 
and you get the opportunity to meet a lot of new business owners and fresh entrepreneurs and outside of the app what kind what advice would you give them as they're developing their new vision or their new project right you know there's obviously um you know multiple different kinds of advices that one can give um business owners or or startup entrepreneurs but i think if you ask me what is the one thing that i would tell them is perseverance mm. because um what um what i've learned is that you know you got to this is such a cliche, but honestly, it's so true. You got to get over the, the no's to get to the yeses, right? Because, you know, the yeses always come from where you expect them the least, but they will come, and it's a numbers game. And if you persevere and you don't throw in the towel and you don't give up, it will happen. And what do you do when the no's keep stacking up and 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 stacking up? What do you do to help over, for, with yourself to overcome that? Right. So I, I temporarily get depressed, mm-hmm. and I temporarily get frustrated, obviously, because we're all human beings, and that's how we we feel. But I, I think I've learned to remind myself. You know, my, my dad was a very perseverant guy. Mm. I mean, he just no was not in his vocabulary. And so I think he must have had some kind of an impact on me to, to kind of keep going, keep sure. at it. Right. Um, but I think I've learned to remind myself. And I think that reminder... Is helpful because you know it's. I think it's unrealistic to think that oh, there are people that never feel down or never feel <laughs> depressed. Or, we're all human beings, you know. Right. We all feel that way. Sure, but sure. I think that reminder that you know, last time you felt this way, things really did happen. Mm-hmm. So don't forget about that one. It will come through. Just you have to work harder, make more calls. You know. Sure, sure. When you first started your first small business. Did you have any idea that here, 20, 30 years later, you'd end up where you're at? You know, I had no idea, but, I, but I'll tell you one thing. I, th- there was always two things that I was, well, three things. Um, two th- these three things that I was always interested in and thought to myself, someday I want to make something out of myself in this area. Mm. One of them was I always wanted to be a tech entrepreneur. Okay. And, you know, when I was doing my telecom consulting, that was kind of a mini, very small, you know, very, very small part in that. But I always wanted to be a tech entrepreneur. I've always been fascinated by tech. Just always wanted to be a part of that scene. That, that was one thing. Sure. Second thing was I always wanted to do something meaningful in, in, public, in public service. Mm-hmm. That was always something that was interesting to me. I've been told that with a lot of successful entrepreneurs, and especially ones that have had the, the diverse experience that you have had, you've developed the ability to say no to a lot of things. Right. And what is your barometer of gauging what you say yes to and what you say no to? You know, I think what, one of the things I've learned is how to say the no. Mm. You know, I think when I was younger, I really wanted to say no, and, and I didn't because I kind of felt bad. And I think that's um, it's also a little bit of a female trait as well. So mm. I hope all our female listeners don't get upset with me, but I think certainly amongst my female cohorts, we talk about that quite a bit. Um, so I think, it, first of all, it's figuring out what is it that you want to say no to, mm-hmm. and then just finding kind of a nice, calm, diplomatic way of, you know, 
saying no without really um, upsetting upsetting the other party. And you know. a lot of that, I'm guessing, comes from experience? or it, uh, uh, Absolutely. You know, it comes from putting your foot in your mouth a couple of times <laughs> and, then, and then going, oops, I don't want to do that one again. <laughs> and, and obviously you've done that well enough because you don't become a successful diplomat by uh, <laughs> making the same mistake over and over and over again. Right. That was helpful. Well, also, you know, the State Department has great training and, and you know, you're around a lot of amazing, amazing diplomats, and you just learn by watching them, too. Sure, sure, sure. Um, in developing your business and, and your public life and now start it up, what realizations or approaches have helped you as a person, as an individual? Well, I think, you know, Michael, let me back up there for a moment because um, I think, the overarching factor or item that has been helpful to me is the fact that I immigrated to the United States mm. when I did. Mm. I think that's what's opened so many doors for me, um, not just as an immigrant and as a woman, but just as an individual, because the U.S. kind of has this incredible ability to bring out the best in people. Right. I mean, it's, it's really a phenomenal concept because you feel like you belong, you feel like you're part of the system constantly learning um, about everything right. you know every day still to this day I wake up in the morning and I go oh my god like this is an amazing country you know look at the way people are doing blah blah right so I think that's been you know in, in terms of being in public service in terms of um, being uh, you know a, a business owner it's it has a lot to do with um with, with this country, and if I may add just a tidbit of information to that, because I think it's important, is, you know, when I was at the State Department with the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, I traveled a lot all over the world. Sure. And, you know, part of my goal, I mean, part of the objective of the department is to create mutual understanding of respect between Americans and people in other parts of the world. Right. And you do that through a lot of exchanges and educational and cultural activities. And I remember traveling to some countries where people just could not understand how is it possible that a woman of Iranian heritage, two countries that are at odds with each other and right. have been for quite some time, could actually represent the United States? Right. And stuff like that only happens in this country. Right, right. Just last week, I was with my family visiting in Japan. And Japan is a very friendly country to the United States. And the, one of the things that astounded me is how often the Japanese people that I would have a conversation with wanted to know about America and the way we do business. And they could not understand some of the vitriol in the press. And yet we all seem to turn out okay. Yeah. <laughs> how does that work? How does that work? <laughs> Well, maybe that's why we all turn out okay is because there's an open dialogue and open conversation and, you know, there's no government that's suffocating you or True. telling you what you can or can't say. Absolutely, right? absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What is the larger vision for Startup and where do you want Startup to end up and, and accomplish? Right. Thank you for asking that. Um, you know, we are opening, started up um, market by market. We'll be opening up in the city of Los Angeles. And, you know, obviously we're focused on the top 35, um, you know, urban metro markets, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why it's so exciting to start with Long Beach and Bakersfield, because these are, you know, smaller cities than your typical 
urban metro area. So there's a lot that we've learned from these two cities. So, you know, our goal is to open up in these 35 markets in the U.S. and nationally, you know, starting with L.A. and then next year moving up to Northern California, Arizona, and Texas, and then moving back east to, you know, New York, Pennsylvania, and and covering, you know, those regions. And then probably um, our objective is that by 2024, Mm -hmm. um, we want to take this global and we want to make this opportunity available to people all over the world. Share the American dream with the world. Share the American dream with the world. You know, people may not understand why there's, you know, all the bickering that's going on in the U.S. today, but one of the things that everybody agrees on is that this is a country of entrepreneurs. Hmm. You know, entrepreneurship is something that the United States was, you know, is based on and was born with. Um, Although I must say a statistic that really made me sad is that in the last 20 years there's been more business deaths than business births you asked me what was the reason why we wanted to start this app (laughs) this this statistics was one of them um but you know this is a country of entrepreneurs you know it is it is and it's a place where if somebody's got the idea and they're willing to work hard there's a there's a better than even chance they can make it yeah, exactly. Especially when they have an advisor. Especially when they have an, and a checklist. <laughs> and a checklist, yes. <laughs> and a business plan. And a business plan, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and the final thing I'd like to ask you is, why did you decide to go into the business world to start with? Because your degree that you graduated from with was not in business. No, it was not in business, No. Because I think at the time when I was at Stanford, I was thinking to myself that I, you know, would want to go back to Iran and do something significant. Mm -hmm. I don't know, become the minister of something. I don't really remember what I was thinking at the time. But, you know, clearly the revolution happened um, at that time. And there's many of us that decided to um, stay in the United States. Right. um, Which was, you know, a wonderful decision. and, you know, but I was really always interested in tech. That was just something that I was always interested in. And, you know, I got my first job with what used to be Burroughs Corporation. Then it was bought by or merged with Sperry. And so, you know, it, that's how I started my, my career, basically. And what has owning a small business done for, or what options has owning a small business done for you? You know, I think that word small business really um, has a lot of meaning to it. You know, first and foremost, when you're running a small business, you you have a pulse on so many different things. Mm. You know, you have to understand human nature because of your employees. You have to understand numbers because you have to do your bookkeeping and your financials. You have to know how to deal with people. You have to you have inventory. You have to know how do you keep track of your there's a lot that you need to understand that small business people understand so well and then small is a, is a phase you know you start small and then you grow and you become medium and then who knows then you grow some more and then you you become bigger so small business is an it's not just a stepping stone but it's kind of a life lesson mm-hmm. i think in so many ways one of the things I like telling people or reminding people is even Apple Corporation started out in a garage. Exactly. Look <laughs> at how many of these 
companies started out in garages. Right. You know, you can say the same thing for Google or Airbnb or even Amazon. Right, you know? right. And the Marriott that were in the lobby of recording this podcast started off with very humble beginnings as well. well there you go. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunity for starting with a small business. Well, Goli, this has been a wonderful interview. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, telling us about Startup and, and also participating in the Bakersfield Women's Business Conference. And we thank you for being on Small Business Celebration. And if somebody wants to find out about Startup, how do they find out about it? So they can go on our website, startitup.org, all one word, start it up. Um, and then they can download the app either from the website or from Apple Store or from Google Play. We would love for you all to download the app. The tools right now are free, so mm-hmm. you can take advantage of all the tools. And then if you want to get matched with a mentor, then that's kind of the next, uh, the next step. And for those of you who are listening that uh, caught that uh, Goalie had mentioned that the app was going live in three weeks, by the way, by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be live. It will be live. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, Goalie, thank you very much. And by the way, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or follow you, uh, how do they do that? So I'm actually on Twitter personally, but Started Up is on Facebook, it's on LinkedIn, it's on Instagram. Um, it's not on Twitter yet. And then you can always um, connect with us, and we are very diligent in responding on our website at startedup.org. Very good. Well, Goli, thank you very much for being on the podcast, and we offer you a lot of success. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate this opportunity, and it's really a pleasure and an honor to be here in Bakersfield and to talk to you about this really important topic. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I've been asked... Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.